broken heart Trying to calm the raging battle in my mind In search of many answers That my troubled soul just couldn't seem to find Praise God I saw flowers blooming Where there was no rain or sunshine
down and broken hearted and you just can't seem to find peace of mind you're searching for the answer but your problems are getting worse all the time oh just lift your hand to jesus he'll take you in and break the ties And 
bitter kiss of death. I have to walk through chilly Jordan to enter into rest. But I did say I'd be waiting right on the other side. And I did say I'll dry every tear you cry. Cause you know Than you think you'll see me face to face, and you'll sing with the angels and the countless multitudes. This is the promise, this is the promise I made to you. I'm so Just keep on walking, don't talk. just lost their dearest friend and all that he said now he was dead this was the way it would end the dreams they had dreamed were not what they seemed now that he was dead and gone the garden the jail the hammer and the nail how could a night be so
wasted before his time. She knew it was true. She'd watched him die too. She had heard them call him, ah, oh, he's just a man. Oh, but deep in her heart, she knew from the start, somehow her son had lost and life had won. You know why? For morning had Took off these weights. I've laid down my sin. I made up my mind that I'm gonna win. The shackles have fallen. These chains now are gone. I'm running with Jesus. I'm going on. Cause I'm running on. On with Jesus. I'm going on. And when the streets turn to gold, then I know. This race that I'm running will bring victory. One night at the altar, I let Jesus in. I started on my journey, me walking with him. The shackles have fallen, the road is so straight. And Satan, you can't stop me now, I'm nearing that gate. Cause I'm running on. on with Jesus, I'm going on. And when the street turns to gold, then I'll know I'm home. I started out, started in faith that one day you'll see. This race that I'm running will bring. 
bring victory. Cause I'm running on. Home with Jesus. I'm going on. And when the street turns to golden, I know I'm home. I started out. Started in faith and one day you'll see. This race that I'm running will bring victory. That night at the altar, I let Jesus in. I started on my journey, me walking with him. That highway is holy, and that road is so straight. And Satan, you can't stop me now. I'm nearing that game. Cause I'm running on. Home with Jesus, I'm going on. And when the streets turn to golden, I'll know I'm home. I started out. Started in faith, and one day you'll see. This race that I'm running will bring victory. You know I'm running on. Home with Jesus, I'm going on. And when the streets turn to golden, I'll know I'm home. I started out. Started in faith and one day you'll see This race that I'm running will bring victory This race that I'm running will bring victory Who taught the sun where to stand in the and who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star? I know my Redeemer spends things in orbit he runs to the weary the worn and the weak and the same gentle hands that hold me when i'm broken they conquer death to bring me victory and i Redeemer lives. Yes, I know my Redeemer lives. Let all creation testify. Let this life within me cry. I know my Redeemer lives. Yes, the very spins things in orbit he runs to the weary 
Crimson stain, he washed me. 
once I went walking down a long, lowly road, I thought I, I had no one who would share my heavy load. Then my mind went soaring back to a place I'd never been. And I realized that I was standing at the foot of my King. There were three lonely crosses on a hillside that day. And as I looked at my Savior, I cried, Lord, take me away. Oh, there was blood, it was flowing down, and thorns pierced his head. But he cried, Father, forgive, and then my Savior was dead. Oh, well, I stood there in silence, thinking, Lord, how can this be that your
It's already been said, this ain't Easter, it's Resurrection Day. And on Resurrection Day, there's a uh, special need to remind us of who it is that beat death for us. He defeated death. And every one of you here, no matter who you are, you're facing death. You may not think it's coming as quick as you think, but I remember... Uh, God showing me one time about a ball player going around first, going around second, going around third, and coming home. No matter what age you leave here, sometime in your life, you're going to round first, round second, round third, and you're going to go home. I, like Jeannie said, you got to be prepared. Some of us have no idea how long our life is. Some of us have no idea if we'll see another Easter. I want you to remember Rhoda today. She's not, I didn't see her today. And uh, she's had a, a couple bad spells, and she's gone through tests and stuff. But I definitely want you to remember her. Not trying to cause you to be thinking about dying. I'm trying to tell you that you've got the answer before you in Jesus Christ. He is life. He is what we live for. He's why that we have a hope for our tomorrow. And I praise him for what he's done. I'm going to try my best to get this through. If you was home watching a movie and a movie came on, it was something you like, how many knows you'd stay there till it was over? Amen. My dad used to walk in on us kids sometimes, and we'd be watching a movie, and he'd say, go to bed. Time to bed. And it might be quarter 11, the movie's over at 11. But Dad said, when you get older and you work for a living, you'll understand what I'm saying. Go to bed. He'd, he'd cut us right off the end of the movie, and we'd end up having to go up and go to bed. And uh, there wasn't no five TVs in different rooms and all that other stuff. We had one little old black and white TV a lot of times. But how many knows, you know what? There's nothing more important than the gospel in your life. There's nothing more important than when God sent his only begotten son, not just for church people. He sent it for people to be saved, to come to a place where they know they're lost. If you don't know you're lost, you don't know why you need to get saved. But I want to tell you something. There ain't nobody here was born in church. You know what? You'll find yourself lost is the only way you'll find yourself coming to Jesus. He came, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I want to talk about something. God had got me on the 20th chapter of John, Connie, and I didn't realize it was, the, it was our Sunday school lesson. So I come upstairs, and I thought, boy, I've really done good. I've, I've got some scriptures wrote down early. I'm ready to go. And love it when God gives me something earlier. But then I looked, and our Sunday school was right in the middle of it. So I'm going to still pick out a couple of verses out of there later on. But I want to go with what God has showed me. I want to talk about when your mission is over. Listen to me now. When your mission is over, God's going to take you out of here, Christian. Because, see, our mission ain't over. My life's not over yet. Sometimes I get up, I wonder, is this the last day I'll live on this earth? What will take me out? What will take my brothers and sisters? What will take my wife? 
what will take my loved ones? I watched my father and mother leave here, and I, and I didn't know how we was going to live without mom and dad. But God has got a way of, he made it this way. You can think what you want, but he made it this way. And he's bringing you to understand who he is and what plan he has in your life. You have been given a life by God. And like I told you before, Christian, church, God doesn't save us to sit in a recliner. So don't go home and sit in a recliner and say, I'm doing my saved deal. No, we've been saved to go out and work for God. We've been set free to get a hold of what God has given us to do. In Matthew, the 11th chapter, I want to talk about somebody before I get on, and his name is John the Baptist. Many of you have heard John the Baptist. He's called the forerunner of Christ. But I want to get on to this. John the Baptist in the 11th chapter of Matthew. This is Jesus talking about him. But how many knows John the Baptist came, he did not come like a regular prophet. He did not come and show up in a nice suit or a nice outfit. He did not come bringing some kind of a, a special uh, speech to, to anybody. He came out of the wilderness eating, woke, uh, eating locusts and wild honey. And he also dressed in what they called camel's hair. His garments were camel's hair. Now I want to tell you something. John the Baptist, as some of you have read and heard about him, and you think to yourself, well, that guy was crazy. Well, you know what? Christians are considered crazy today if you're living for God. If you're truly living for God, they think, what's the matter with you? You need to get a life. You need to get out there and get in the world and find out what's fun to do. Now I'm going to tell you something. There is no greater joy than knowing you're walking in the will of God. There is no greater joy, no, no greater place that when you lay down at night, you know you belong to him. And when you wake up, you know you belong to him. You know every valley and every mountain. I found the lily in my valley. His name is Jesus. And until you hold on to that, until you determine in your heart, I'm going to live for him all of my life. I'm going to give him not one day, not Sunday. I'm going to give him every day of my life. That's what he's calling you to. And you think, well, I've come here just to be part of the family. The family came, and I'm happy to be a part of the family. And I wanted to see everybody, and I'm glad I'm here. Let me tell you something. God's got a better plan than just a, a brief visit. He wants to prepare you for eternity. Listen to this, John the Baptist. In the second verse of Matthew 11, he says, Now when John had heard in the prison, John's, uh, John the Baptist was arrested. Why was he arrested? He had so much nerve as a prophet, he went to King Herod and told him, You're, You took your brother's wife, and that's not right. How many knows John didn't get quiet about nothing? He came out of there a little crazy, and he sure spouted off. And when he did, Herodias, which is the woman involved in, this, in the story, she hated him. She hated John the Baptist. So she got him to throw him in jail, or her husband Herod to throw him in jail. John's in jail. John's the one that was the forerunner of Christ. He's the one that had been going out and telling people to repent for the Savior's coming. 
Then it says, it says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he or that should come, or do we look for another? John's in prison. He's waiting to be sure because I can tell you something. He's got a death sentence on him. You can't speak up for the gospel that somebody's not going to attack you. The world don't want to hear it. Our government don't want to hear it. Your kids in school, their teachers don't want to hear it. They're doing everything in the world to shut off Jesus. They don't want to talk about it. The only Savior there is, they don't want to talk about it. But it says, And Jesus answered and said unto them that came to Jesus, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached unto them. How many know Jesus knew exactly what to go tell John? Go back and tell John, you disciples of John. Go back and tell him that all the things that the Savior, the Messiah was going to do, the power of God that was on him, that caused him to do all that he did was happening right in those days. On down in chapter 14 of Matthew, there's one verse that it says, And Herod sent and beheaded John the Baptist in the prison. Now, I only want to tell you that because I want you to hear this. John had a mission. How do you know? How? how how many notes? John had a mission in his life. His mother was Elizabeth, and she was a cousin or whatever to Mary, Jesus' mother. And I want you to hear this. John the Baptist was only about 31 years old when he lost his head. That's not that old. We probably got some 31-year-olds or somewhere around that age in here. He's not that old. You look back at John the Baptist, you think he's an old man? He wasn't some old man. He was a young man. But get, get this in your mind. He was sold out for what the mission was in his life. You couldn't have stopped him from running his mouth. If it killed him, he was going to speak the truth. And that's exactly what God is looking for in you and in me. If you haven't got the guts to speak the truth and proclaim his name, because that's why God saved you. Not to sit in that recliner. He wants you to get up and proclaim to everybody that God puts in your life. I know what he did in me. I can't shut up about it. I'm the last person that should be up here preaching. But can I tell you something? I can't shut up about what he did. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop when I read his words and I keep knowing what he's saying to anyone that will follow him. I know what he says to me. So I got to speak it. And I want you to get a hold of it. I want you to get so excited that you jump up and down and act silly if you have to. You don't have to put on no show. But I'm going to tell you something. Get beside yourself in him. Connie got beside herself this morning in Sunday school. 
She got excited. You just have to come to class to see it. I don't know what to tell you. I'll never know what's going to happen. John the Baptist was probably about 31 years old when he died, when he was beheaded. And his mission was over. He carried out what God had given him to do. And you know, he even said one place, I must decrease and he must increase. How many of those he knew he wasn't the Messiah? He just knew he was supposed to speak those words, Ken. He was supposed to shout it all over, and it didn't matter what they said. He was going to speak the truth. You know what? You need to hear the truth today. If you're in sin and don't know Christ, guess what? He's your only Savior. He's the only way you can get your sins off you and make you a little child again inside. Inside of you, you'll say, I know I'm forgiven. How many knows that's your goal? That's your goal. Hold on to that. Get a hold of it and then hold on to it like a little child and just follow him. I want you to turn, if you can, to John, the second chapter, the book of John. This is Jesus. This is the early part of his ministry. And I want you to hear it. It's just a little bit thing, but I want you to hear it. See, this is right after he did his first miracle, after he had uh, turned the water into wine, second chapter of John all the way down to verse 19. They asked Jesus a question. Show us a sign. You know what he did? He came down into the town and he turned over the tables in the temple. He flipped those tables. That's the first time he did it. He did it again before he left here. Preached on that last week. But Jesus came into town and he saw what they were doing in God's house. So he turned the tables over and he ran them out of there. This is the house of God. You've turned it into a den of thieves. You've turned it into a, to a place of merchandise. Selling what you want to sell in the church house. But down at verse 19, after they told, asked him, show us a sign. Jesus answered and said in verse 19 unto them, you destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. How many here's what I just said? Jesus spoke out to the Jewish people that God sent him to. The Jewish leaders, those that were in the temple. And while they're in the temple, Jesus looks at them and says, tear this temple down. Here's your sign. Here's your sign, skeptic. Tear this temple down and in three days, I'll build it up again. I'll raise it up again. How many know Jesus grows up the third day? He was only there three days. And he came back. What was he talking about then? They had no idea. All they could see was the building. All they could see was the temple. And the first thing they come up with is 46 years they spent building this. You're going to raise it back up in three days? Yes, he is. But they didn't see it. Let me tell you something. You've got to get a hold of something here. Jesus came with a mission. This is the beginning of his mission. All the way back to the 26th chapter of Matthew. All the way back to the 61st verse 
I want you to hear this. Jesus is on trial before the council, before the, before the high priest. They've arrested him. He's did all of the miracles. He's raised the dead. He's caused blind eyes to see. He's, he's opened up the deaf ears. He's preached the message the Father sent him to for three and a half years. Now it's time that he's going to be brought and crucified. But they bring him before the council. Who's the council? They're the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders. He brings them before. Look at verse 61 of Matthew 26. He says, and, and said, what they did is they, the council brought false prophets, false witnesses. Bring somebody up here and let's have a witness against this Jesus that claims who he is. And, a, and one man jumped up and said, this fellow said, now listen to the word, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. How many know somebody remembered what Jesus said a long time ago? He jumped up as a false witness. He's a false witness because he's trying to help slander Jesus. He still don't understand what it's about. But he, he comes up as a false witness and says, this fella it, he said, says that he is able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest also arose and said unto him, answer thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee, or I basically compel thee, by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. He's on trial, and the high priest is saying, tell us if you're the Christ, the Son of God. Now listen to Jesus. Jesus said unto him, thou hast said, He looked at the high priest and said, you said it. I am the son of God. Then he says, nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter shall you see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. I want you to remember that because later on I'm going to tell you something about that. But right here he, he comes up. He doesn't argue with him. He just says, when you see me again, high priest, when you see me again, guess what? I'm going to be at the right hand of power. I'm going to be at the throne of God, sitting on the right hand of the Father. Let me hear what I'm saying. And then he adds on to say, because this is when they'll see him also. He says, and coming in the clouds of heaven, they will see, the, see Christ come back in the clouds of heaven. Who will see him? You read it in 19th chapter of Revelation and you'll find out when he comes back, he comes back for Israel. And these religious leaders will see the one that they crucified, the one that they put the nails in his hands and in his feet. And they will weep and mourn, the Bible says, because they have rejected the Savior of the world. See, we got a country rejecting Jesus. 
No matter how the story's told, they sit home, they stay home, they don't want to hear about the truth of the gospel. No, that's just a religious group. It's all about this, all about that. They brag on each other. I, I never seen Hollywood brag on each other all the time. They get one will stand there and talk about another, and all they do is talk about how great they was. And every one of them gets old and don't look good when they get old. You know? You may say, well, we're getting old too. Yeah. You know what? We're all leaving this life. And Hollywood blows up youth. They blow up. When you're young and healthy, oh, let's get the young and healthy out here. Let's portray life that way. How many knows life ain't like that? You travel through it. I remember when I was 20. I remember when I was 30. I remember when I was 40. I remember when I was 50. Guess what, Mark? They just went flying by. Now I'm 67. I don't know. I have no idea what 70 is going to be. I kept watching the 70-year-olds, and I see them praising God. I say, I got to stay at it. Keep walking. Now listen to this. I want you to turn, if you will, to Acts 7. This is Stephen. Guess where Stephen's standing? He's been arrested and he's standing before the council. Ryan, I think it's the same council. I think it's the same high priest. It ain't just a few months later. I believe the Sanhedrin court, they've decided they killed Jesus. They got rid of him thinking they stomped out this Christianity stuff, this gospel. But here comes Stephen rearing up and speaking for Jesus Christ. He preached Jesus to him for the whole chapter. But look at verse 55 of 7th chapter. Stephen before the council, he says, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfast into heaven and saw the glory of God and who? Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. How many knows Jesus already told that same council, guess what? You're going to see me next to the power of God, at the throne of God. Now here Stephen is saying, I see Jesus standing at the right hand. How many knows they didn't want to hear that? Ken, if they remembered anything, they remembered what Jesus told them standing there when the, when the high priest said, to him, and he comes back with, you'll see me. The next time you'll see me, I'll be in the power of God at the right hand of the Father. How many knows Stephen's telling them exactly where he's, supposed, where he's at? I don't know about you, but that thrilled me. I got excited. You know why? Because I realized Stephen's down the road, but he's just doing what he's doing. He's just doing his mission just like everybody else. And guess what they did? They killed him. They stoned Stephen. Because he spoke the truth to him. He wasn't an evil man. He wasn't a bad person. He just spoke the truth. They couldn't hear it. They couldn't handle it. He goes on to say, verse 56, And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice. Listen to him. This is talking about those council people. This is talking about me, the high priest. They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. I don't want to hear what you're saying. Why? Because what, they're say what he was saying condemned every one of them that stood there when Jesus said it. 
How many knows they didn't understand? They didn't understand about the temple. They didn't understand he's talking about his own body. That you tear it down. You'll destroy this body. But in three days, resurrection day came. Praise God. We serve a real Lord, a real Savior. He really paid our price. You ain't going to get this deal at Kroger's. You're not going to get this deal anywhere else. You're going to find that the only way you can come is humble yourself before him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I need a Savior. And he said, if you'll do that, I'll open up my arms to you and I'll receive you. Praise God. That's the, that's the Jesus we know. I'm not preaching any other Jesus but that one. That's the only one I know. <clears throat> Said they stopped their ears and they ran upon him with one accord. And on down at 58 says they cast him out of the city and stoned him. In Romans 8.34 he said, who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Jesus' task on this life is done. But guess where he's at? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's pleading our case to the Father. When you cry out, oh, God, help me, I'm lost, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, how many knows his mission here was done and he went home, but he's alive forevermore. He's not, he's not dead. He's alive. And he is going to come back and receive us unto him. Now turn to John, the 20th chapter. This was in our Sunday school. I ain't going to go through it. I'm just going to read five verses and they start at verse 19 of chapter 20, chapter 20 of John. This is the resurrection day that Jesus is talking about. Jesus rose that morning, and Connie talked about it, when Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and the stone was rolled away. She looked down in and she ran back, told Peter and John, they've taken his body, he's gone. Peter and John runs to the temple, or runs to the, the sepulcher, the gravesite, and they look down in there, Peter runs in, and sees the cloth laying on one side, the, uh, the napkin on the other side all folded up neat. Wasn't like somebody stole the body. Somebody just got up, unwrapped it, and just folded it up real nice and set it right back down. Didn't need it. <laughs> Praise God. Jesus said it rose from the dead. But this went on, and all of a sudden, Jesus disappears. After he, Mary comes back, and he sees, Mary sees him, and said, thought he was a gardener, and he told her to not touch me, and then go and tell the disciples. Well, Mary runs back to the disciples. Where was the disciples? They were hiding. Why were they hiding? Why were they fearful and hiding? Because obviously, they had just killed Jesus. And if you'd been following him, and the law comes down and killed him, you'd probably figure, I'm next. I was following him all that time. They're probably looking for us. So they hid. They were afraid. Look at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, 
first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Why did he say peace be unto you? Because they were scared to death. They were hiding in fear. You know what? Jesus is there to calm them down. He's there. They'd already heard Mary had told him, I saw him and talked to him, but they ain't ready to believe it yet. And they also heard the two from Emmaus that Jesus followed home, and they turned right around after they got home when Jesus opened himself up to them and they saw who he was. Those disciples ran back also and told the rest of the disciples. But they still weren't convinced yet. They hadn't saw him yet. So this is what's going on. And when, verse 20, and when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Look at verse 21. Here's the one I want you to get. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. Listen to this. As my heavenly Father sent me, even so send I thee. Now, I, want, I don't know if you understand that. But Jesus has entered a room with the door shut. And he looks at his followers. He tells them to be, no, don't be afraid. Peace be still. And then he said, just as my heavenly father sent me to do my mission, I'm sending you to do the hear what I just said. You know what? You do, your life's not your own. When you come to Christ, you don't belong to you no more. You belong to him. And he's got a mission for you. And can I tell you something? I've been in church since I was a young boy. And I remember getting saved when I was a teenager. But can I tell you, I ran from doing what God wanted me to do. Connie, I didn't want to do that as I love to be around God's people. I enjoyed the gifts that others had and the, and the pleasure of watching uh, Brother Vaughn and, and different people get up and read five verses and preach for an hour. And I think, how does he do that? How does he talk about those five verses that whole time? But there was something bubbling inside of him, something that was burning in him. Something that caused him to open his mouth and he had to speak everything that God had put inside of him. See, I was afraid God was going to call me into something. I was just like those disciples. God, I don't know what I can do. I'm really not good at nothing. So you're going to have to show me play by play what you want me to do. And you know what you do? You sit and do nothing for a lot of time. Oh, I was supportive. I followed my father many times, thinking I was just being a good son, thinking I was happy to be along with him and watch him go pray with people in the hospital, witness to people, lead them to Christ. Little did I know God was working on me standing there watching all that time. Little did I know God wanted me to do something. I ain't nobody. I said it before. I got brothers and sisters can way out talk me. 
they won't admit it, but they can. And they ain't never seen me talk so much. And I know sometimes they wish I'd cut it short. But can I tell you something? It's what God does. It's not what we do. I don't want to find some talent that I'm good at. I want to find where I am for him. What pleases you, Lord, for me to do? See, if you'll sell yourself out to him, you'll find joy and victory and peace in your life. You'll find rest in the midst of the storm. That was the commission. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. How many knows Holy Ghost had to come? Can I tell you something? If you have not received the Holy Spirit inside of you, you didn't really got saved. You can proclaim the words, but can I tell you something? The Spirit of God will move into your life. He'll begin to do a work on you. I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about an extra work. I'm not talking about all those things. Yes, God does that to make us witnesses and give us power to go do all these things. But first, I want you to understand, when you give your heart to God and you surrender, he gives you new life. The first Adam was a living soul. God breathed in uh, Adam in Genesis 2, 7, he breathed and made him a living soul. But when the second Adam came and he breathed into him, guess what you become? You become a quickening spirit. Uh-oh. Something's going on in me that wasn't there before. So the spirit of God came into my life and made me a different person. He gave me a new life. I'm born again. Should I tell you I'm not? I'm telling you I am. If you're born again, you've received him. Don't run from him. Run to him. It says here, he breathed on them. And they received, he told them, you receive, receive you the Holy Ghost. And whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now what's he talking about? I think he's talking about the authority he gave him to go do the job. Now, you know what? He was son of God. He came and he set his God side aside to walk in the flesh just like you and I. He felt the pain. He suffered on the cross. He suffered the rejection. He even suffered his heavenly father turned and said, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because the heavenly father had turned away from him because he received the sins of all mankind upon himself. So even the father turned his face from him. But he was being obedient to the father's will. He was the sacrifice that was given. The authority given to declare sinners forgiven. Now can I tell you some us Christians can't forgive sin. Only Jesus can forgive sin. You know what? I want you to hear this because people get confused. When you say remit, because the scripture says, whosoever sins you remit. Jesus is saying this to the disciples. What's remit mean? Those who, who you have given.
given the gospel to and they have asked for forgiveness. They followed through. And they've received Christ as their Savior. He said, those you have a authority to declare them saved. You know what? You can come up here and cry. You can come up here and do all kinds of things. But can I tell you something? You've got to receive it. And you've got to turn around. You've got to repent. And if you haven't done that, you know what? You'll walk out of here and you won't come back. I'm not trying to give you a ticket to go to heaven. I'm trying to give you Jesus Christ that will change your life. But that's what God has commissioned every Christian, not just preachers. He's commissioned every one of us to be, we're commissioned. We're on a mission to give the gospel to those that God puts in your life. Who is in your life that you should have asked to go to church today? Who in your life? I used to see guys at my work, and I would try to witness to them guys on the railroad. And sometimes I'd really get into a lot of good conversation. But they, it was like dragging. They all work crazy hours. We all work different hours and making all kinds of excuses. But I used to think to myself, if I could bring you and put you in the middle of our church and set you down and let you see the Spirit of God moving upon the testimonies, moving upon the songs, moving upon the words that come through people's spirit, through the heart. You'd see Jesus. You may not see him in me, but you'd see Jesus if you'd get around God's people. And you'd realize I don't have him and I need him. I used to think that. Maybe you're really that good. Maybe you're good enough that you can go do it all yourself. But I don't think none of us are. That's why he tells us to gather together. But who do you know today that you should have brought to church? You should have called and said, hey, why don't you go to church? Why don't you come and visit? I'm not, I'm not trying to build this church up. I'm not trying to make this church some standout church. I'm not looking for somebody's fame or glory. I'm not looking for the attention of it. But I can tell you something. Jesus called us to do one work. Lead those that he's put in your life. Tell them about the gospel truth. Tell them what's happened in your life that changed you. That's your testimony. Bring them to the gospel. Bring them to, that's what Jesus was trying to do. And he didn't cause all of them to, to turn and, and accept him. But he was trying to bring them to him. The Jewish people rejected him. The disciples were going out. To preach to the whole world. They were given a commission. We are given the same commission. To go out and bring people to Jesus. This is resurrection day. Don't you want all to be resurrected? I don't want nobody to go to hell. Do you? I don't know nobody. That I hate. I know a lot of people I don't like. But I don't want them to go to hell. I want even our government, as messed up as they are, I want them to find Jesus. I want the churches that's backed away from believing in God and believing in his word, speaking his truth. I want them to repent and come back to Jesus because the glory goes to him. It's for what he has done. We have no power in ourselves. You have no power in yourself. In Luke 24, 
This is the commission in Luke's eyes. Now, I just read what John wrote about it, and it's in every one of the Gospels. But I want to read Luke 24, 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, Jesus is talking, Thus it is written, And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. How many knows that is the Great Commission? But I want you to hear that part that says, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. See, I don't save nobody. You don't save nobody. My, I've been with my father and heard people say, you saved me. Looking at my dad, and I think Pop would always defend himself and say, you don't understand, I couldn't save nobody. He paid that price. He just commissioned me to come and tell you about Jesus. He's like Stephen. He's pouring his heart out to tell you about the love of God and the gift of Jesus Christ to save your soul. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Jesus still loves you, and he's calling your name. And until you begin to walk the mission that God has put in your life, I don't know what that is. You come to me, I can tell you to get busy. I can tell you to come to Bible study if you don't know Bible. I can tell you to get in prayer meetings when you don't know how to pray. You know what? I can tell you to do all those things, and eventually God, you'll begin to see what God, why God puts you before you. See, he wants you to come to church because he wants it to rub off on you so much that you can't stand to miss a day. You can't stand to miss a sermon. I remember when I first got married, two days later, we were back down at Mom and Dad's wondering what was going on. Wasn't that our honeymoon wasn't good. It just, I'd raised in my Mom and Dad's family with all my brothers and sisters. I wanted to know what was going on. Amber, I spread I'd miss something. So I talked to my wife. I said, hey, let's go down and see what Mom and Dad's doing. You think? He just left. And I know they probably looked at me like I was nuts. When we walked in the door. But can I tell you something? When you get around Jesus, you get around his people. I can't hardly stand to go on vacation. I miss every one of them. I'm sorry. I love you. Not because of me. Because what he has shown me in my heart. He's gave me a family of God to love together. We cry together. We bury people together. We marry them. We watch them grow up. You see them little kids yesterday. You see the little hearts. And you know one day the enemy will be after them to destroy them. So you think, oh man, I've got to keep them in church all their life. I've got to keep them around God's people. I can't save them. That won't always save them. But I guarantee you they'll know where to go when they get themselves in trouble. They'll know who to come to. I'm almost done. Becky, come on back up. 
Psalm 1610, David wrote this, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, talking about Christ, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Jesus only stayed three days in the grave, and he arose, and there was no corruption in his body. Thou wilt, listen to verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. How many hears that? Do you know what Jesus was doing when he laid down his life and died? He's showing you the path of life. He died to himself. Bobby, he died to himself. I'm looking. He said the Father showed me the path of life. So he's saying to his Father, if it possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will, Father. And the Father was showing the Son the path to life. How many knows he went through death? came out the other side. And I said it before. I hate MRIs. I hate to go into MRI. I don't, I'm claustrophobic, I guess. I have to pray and shut my eyes and sing every song I know. Think about every scripture. And I tell that lady, don't stop and talk to me. Just keep hitting the button. Get me out of here as quick as you can. Never pray. But if that's the door to death, I'll make it because I'll go through and I'll come out on the other side. I'm going to go through death's door and I ain't worried about death no more because my Savior paid my price. See, I ain't worried about my father no more. My daddy's gone to be with Jesus. My mother's gone to be with Jesus. That's the only thing that matters. I'll see him again. Are you ready to go to heaven? Don't you know he showed us the path of life? And all he wants us to do is quit getting so hung up on ourselves and go show somebody the path of life. And you, mommies and daddies, you're raising your children. One day you're going to look at your child and say, that little child does not know what it means to be saved. And it'll be your accountability. What have you taught them? What have you showed them? Do they know that you pray and seek God? Do they see you crying out to God in troubled times? Have you taught them about Jesus? Get your accountability, mommy and dad. That's your mission field. I'm sorry. I got a mission field of my own. I got kids and grandkids, and I'm responsible. Me and my wife are responsible to lead till God takes us out of here and says your mission's over. Then it'll be on my kids to do their duty, follow it through. He said, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures. There are pleasures forevermore. In the third chapter of Acts, tell you about this. John and Peter went to the temple that day and there was a lame man laid, laid before the temple. And they were walking up to the temple. Now I want you to hear something. These were the very disciples that God said, I've given you a commission. I mean, here's what I just said. God gave those disciples a commission. Ryan, they're walking up to the temple that day. Third chapter of Acts. They're walking up there, and a, blind, and a man's laying there, lame. And they caught his eye. He caught their eye. 
walked over to him. The sixth verse, he says, he said to him, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. What did he have? He had the faith in the Son of the living God. He had the Holy Spirit in him that told him to go and talk to this lame man that was dead, no power to get up. He'd been lame for a long time, but how many knows? He's commissioned the church. He's commissioned us, Christians. He's commissioned us to go out and to reach out and believe that Jesus Christ sent us to do the work that he did. How many knows that's our commission? We're sent with the power of God to do it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse 12 said, and when Peter saw that all the crowd come running up because this lame man was healed, Peter saw the crowd running up to him. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our power or holiness we have made this man to walk. Then on down to verse 16, Peter cleared it up. He said, in his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Jesus, listen, Jesus commissioned the disciples. He's commissioned us, but you don't get the credit. You know how many people are going around glorifying and how many power they got? They ain't got no power outside of Christ. The glory goes to him. It doesn't go to one of us here. If God uses you to speak to somebody, to testify to somebody, and lead somebody to Christ, he's still the Savior. You're not. And if there's power to, to heal and power to work the works of God, it'll be for his glory, not yours. We're not entertainers. We're not to put on a show for anybody. And when the, when the glory goes to man, guess what? God ain't going to back it up. God's going to back up what he's doing. It says in verse 16, His name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him, talk about Christ, hath given him, this uh, lame man, his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Jesus said in Revelation, I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. How many knows Jesus is alive forevermore? He, he, he did his mission. He did what he was supposed to do in three and a half years. He died a young man. John the Baptist died a young man. There's a whole lot of people that died young people. Young people, listen to me. You need Jesus. I don't care how old you are. And it don't take you waiting till you grow up and get close to death to decide to choose Jesus. You need to choose Jesus today. Because you have no idea what your tomorrow holds, even if you have a tomorrow. But today is the day of salvation. Today, he's calling your name. Today, he's asking you to bring your soul to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner and I need saved. I need your salvation. I need you to accept me and forgive me. Turn me around, Lord. 
heal myself, heal this inner person. Help me to die to myself and I'm going to wake up to him. He said, I live, was dead, behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and death. Uh-oh. You mean death's coming? And he's the only one who's got the keys. How many know Jesus won the keys? He not only laid his life down and sacrificed himself, but he rose from the dead. He was the temple that he was talking about when he first started his ministry. You destroy this temple, and in three days I'll bring it back. Right? In three days. He knew he was going to come back alive. And he's our victory. You know what? You want victory in your life? Do you want to know what God wants you to do? Come up and receive him. Start walking for him. And find out he's got a better plan than you got. He's not going to destroy your life. He's going to give you life. Now see, you came to church at 11 o'clock today for service. I'm talking about those who came for church. If you came to Sunday school, you've been here a little longer. But those people don't care how long they're here. Sorry. But I'm just telling you, the movie's about over. It's almost 1 o'clock. It's been two hours. Two hours too long to find your way for life. Is two hours out of your time too much? I tell you no. I tell you no. I've stood by and watched them at Asbury Tabernacle, and I've watched them here pray for hours after people left because they need victory. Lord, I want you to know I'm surrendering my all to you. Forgive me, Lord. Receive me, Lord. I have failed you. I have not done what you've told me to do. Where else do we go but to him? He's the Savior of the world. He is your resurrection. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are commissioned. means we are sent. You are sent, just like Jesus said, he was sent by the Father. You are sent by Christ. With authority you've been sent. Not on your own. Not because of your weak words or your excuses for not. Guess what? He said, I'll be with you. Holy Spirit never leaves you, never forsakes you. He's there. With authority to bring the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those God has put in your life. See, I won't reach the people you reach. I won't talk to everybody you talk to. But can I tell you, they know if you're really living for Jesus Christ. They really know. They know if there's something different about what's going on in your heart. stay all day for that I'll stay here all day with you I'm not trying to twist your arm I'm not trying to make you feel guilty I want you to find life 
I don't want you to live this life in misery and failure and death and destruction's coming your way. You might be trying to handle it with all you've got, all your money and all of everything else you're, bit, you're counting on. But can I tell you, the only thing that's going to matter is what did I do with Jesus? Did I let him in? Did I hold on to him? Are you ashamed of the gospel? I'm not ashamed to say my Savior laid down his life and died for me. I'm not ashamed. I'm ashamed of who I was. But he gives me new life. Everybody stand. This is a little bit different message for Resurrection Day. But I wanted you to know three days he was talking about himself that he would come back and he would defeat life that's why he's our savior that's why we have the commission to go out and tell the world I'm glad there's power behind what he said I'm glad he defeated death he showed us the way of life while they sing something We're not trying to make you join this church. We're not trying to make you act like us. We just want you to bring yourself to Jesus. Somebody will pray with you. Somebody will gather around and just pray with you. You don't have to tell us your sins. I've had people try to tell me all their sins. I can't, I can't handle it. I couldn't even tell you all my sins and all my failures. It's not what God, God wants you to confess to him, not us. Bring yourself to him. You know what I'm saying. they sing. He was led through the streets of Jerusalem to a It had to 
Yes, he knew that it had to. 